So how are you this morning? Are you happy? Are you excited? Praise God. So every Sunday is filled with wonders. And we know that God is a way of surprising us in many things. And, and, and that, is, that is why today as we continue our series on moving forward, our lesson is about being positive. Okay? Get your mind right. Right? We always think that there are better days ahead. That God is not yet done with us. If you think life today is good, guess what? Tomorrow is going to be better. And every tomorrow is going to be better. And we're talking about being positive, not just for the sake of, you know, just positive thinking. No. This is not just about psychology. This is about real faith in Christ that is the foundation of a positive lifestyle. It takes a positive attitude to keep moving forward. Now, why is it so important these days to be positive? Because we are surrounded with so much negativity. You know, social media, newspapers, almost everything around us is telling us about what? Negative things. Fake news. Well, that's why the Bible is called the good news. Because God wants us to be positive in all these things. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not endorsing some, you know, pop psychology, like, you know, positive thinking, like these things. Whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Things like that, right? We love these things, right? Or you have to name it to claim it. You know? Some people are, are saying, you know, follow this kind of, of mindset. You have to name it to claim it. Or if it is to be, it is up to me. <laughs> okay? These things are nice. No? And we know that there's a whole lot of these things available to help people how to live positive. And these things are good. But friends, we are not into these things. You know? We are not just trying to engage in some modern-day thinking so that we can survive the challenges. And we don't need psychology. We don't need books. We just have to be real with our faith. Because after all, our positivity is not based on some modern teachings, but it's based on our faith from God's Word that God Himself is in control. And when we know that God is in control of the universe, we know we can be positive about anything. So there is a biblical optimism that is deeply rooted in our faith in God. And we've learned that last week as we studied the life of Joseph. Remember? Joseph, he went through a lot, so many ups and downs in life, and yet we find him always faithful, always trusting, because towards the end of his life, you know, towards the end of 
The book of Genesis, remember what he said in, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen? When we know that, when we know that God is able to turn things for His purpose and for His glory, you can always trust Him that He will take care of us. Amen? According to William Ralph Inge, no Christian can be a pessimist for Christianity is a system of radical optimism. Right? And that is true. Christianity is a system of radical optimism. Why radical? Because this kind of optimism is not something that the world can give. It is only something that those who put their trust in the Almighty God can experience. And we are not even trying to force our minds to believe because we know that He is able to do what He says. Amen? And, and, and that is what we find in the pages in the Bible. You know, the choir sang this. Christopher said this this morning. And I'm going to read it once again. Okay? This is optimism that is really biblical. The Bible says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Don't you love lovely things? I love lovely things, and these are lovely things. You know, I love the flowers. Praise God for people who, who want to think and conceive lovely things. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, the Bible says, think about such things. See? Think about such things. Friends, the Bible is teaching us that being positive, being optimistic is a mindset. Alright? Satan can always orchestrate things around us to cause us to be negative because that's what he wants. When you are negative, you're allowing your circumstance to control and dictate your life. Alright? When you allow circumstance to do that, you will be a failure. Because if you look around us, remember what we've learned last week? Life is not fair. Okay? So to be positive is a choice. The Bible says, I have to choose to believe that God is good, that God is always lovely, that God is always pure. And that should dictate the way I do my life today. See? No one should dictate how you live. It's about you and what you believe, what God says in His Word. Amen? And in the same chapter, just a few verses after that, the writer says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who can be more positive than that? Right? You know the writer of this letter, St. Paul. Right? St. Paul is... Our focus this morning, okay? when we talk about being positive, being optimistic, no one is more optimistic than this guy, okay? Paul. And if you want to know his life, 
More than half of the New Testament was written by him. You can follow through his life, his journey, how he started his faith in the book of Acts, and read through his 13 letters. And there you find that this man went through all sorts of troubles, of problems, of challenges, facing death almost every corner of his life. And yet, he's the man who always says, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's so positive about life. And that's what we want to learn this morning. What is it that we find in the life of Paul through his letters, through his life, that he's always optimistic about anything concerning his journey of faith, right? Here's the first lesson. Write this down. Be positive in your convictions. Be positive in your convictions. Paul's positive spirit can be traced back from his convictions. Now, what are convictions? Uh, these are the inmates who are found guilty. No, not that kind of conviction. Conviction, we're talking here of a firmly held set of beliefs or certainties that lodges in the center of your mind and heart. Set of beliefs, right? It depends on what this set of beliefs are and where do you get them, okay? People can have all sorts of convictions, but Paul's conviction is not found in his culture, Remember the culture where he was in, the Greek culture? It was during the time of Hellenization. You know, during the time of Paul, it was a time wherein knowledge and wisdom thrives. That's what the Greeks would love to do. You know, learning new things. But Paul's convictions were not based on the Greeks' philosophy or what's modern at the time. No. His convictions were rooted in his faith, in what he believed were true, right? He was positive about God's love for him. That's the first thing we find. And let us now turn to Romans chapter 8, one of his letters, beginning in verse 35. And we find here the conviction of Paul and how his conviction about his relationship with God about the love of God affects his day-to-day -day living, his journey. All right, notice this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He starts with that question, this rhetorical question. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Notice here that Paul lists down seven things that he went through, actually. <laughs> These are things that, you know, is part of his life as a Christian. Troubles, hardship, persecution. Remember, Christianity is not about comfort. It's about character development. And so we find that Paul was always facing hardships, persecution, sometimes famine, no food. Sometimes he would visit the place and there are no people who would offer their homes 
And he said, well, it's okay. I have learned to be in plenty, and I also learned to be fasting. Intermittent fasting was his lifestyle. And, he, you know, he managed to do that. He was always happy. He was always positive about things. Why? Because he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See? Why was he positive even facing hardships and persecution? Because he knew that someone loved him. And that love is so powerful that it could give him enough strength to move on. That he says, I am more than conqueror. And I want you to focus on that word, phrase, more than conqueror. In Greek, it's just one word. It's just one word in Greek. It's hypernikumen. Okay, it's a compound word. Of course, it's obvious there's hyper there. That's, that's the prefix, hyper. You know what's hyper? Are you a hyper person? Okay, hyper means in excess. All right, in excess. Okay, hypertensive, hyperacidity. All right, hyperactive, like me. Hyper. And then, there, if you notice, the, the, the root word is actually in the middle. There's the niko. Alright? Niko. You know that word? That means victory. Okay? That's where we get the company Nike. <laughs> Nike, the shoes. Alright? They get it from that word, Nike. It's a biblical word. It means victory. So when you're wearing that shoes, it gives you victory. That's why you can, you can do it. <laughs> That's the word. But then it says here, when, when you know that you're loved by God, you are not just victorious. You are more than victorious because there's the word hyper. You see? That's the point. Why was Paul always hyper in doing things without getting discouraged? You know? Many times he was stopped. But he's never discouraged. You know why? Because he has this hyper victorious energy which was drawn where? From the love of Christ. You see? And he says, I am convinced. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see? I want, we always hear this verse, we even sang this verse, but sometimes... We don't stop and just, just, you know, chew the verse and, and feel it. Can you imagine what Paul is saying here? Every comma, there are actually 10 commas there. Every comma there represents different obstacles, potential blockages to his life. And I'm sure some of us have those commas in our lives. But you know what St. Paul says? I am convinced that these things will not be able to affect me. 
or affect you or affect us. Why? Because God's love is stronger than all this. Friends, that's why we are full of red today. <laughs> we are not celebrating human love. We are celebrating God's love. Okay? This love is so powerful. If, if, if a husband and wife has, has this foundation in their marriage, the love of God, no amount of pressures, testings, and even financial crisis in the world can destroy that love. That's why Paul says, I am convinced. And, and that is the conviction of Paul, right? He can withstand all hatred, all persecution. You know why? Because he knew that the love of God is so powerful and that's enough. Paul says, I don't care if everyone hates me. What I care is that my God loves me. And that is important, brethren. That is our source of positivity. When you know that someone higher than you loves you so much, you can withstand all sorts of hardships. It's, it's important that you know that you are loved. And that is why, brethren, the greatest commandment in the Bible is to love the Lord with all your, your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, right? But you know what's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor. You see? Why is it important? You know why? It's necessary that people know that God loves them. But how can they see the love of God if they don't feel it from people who claim to be followers of God? That's why it's necessary that we Christians must demonstrate love. We must show love. We must be loving, caring people around us. Remember the Bible says, how can you say you love God? You don't see Him and you're not loving people. You see? That's why they are always linked together. If the greatest thing in this world is to love God, then that must be the greatest duty of every born-again believer. Amen? Amen? To show love. Not just Valentine's Day, but every day of our life. All right, moving on. He was also positive, not just about the love of God, which is the fuel, the fuel of Paul. Why he can go on, how, why he is always moving forward. But there's another thing that fueled Paul, you know, to withstand all sorts of negativity. He was, he was positive about God's legacy for him. And he always mentions this in his letters. Why, why is he he's always optimistic? You know? Even to the point of death, he's always excited. Don't you know that according to tradition, you know, Paul really chose to be beheaded. Okay? He, was, he was asked, you know, what kind of death you want? You, know, you want us to crucify you the same way we crucified your, your master? And Paul says, according to tradition, I am not worthy to die the death of my Savior. You can just behead me. And while he was about to be beheaded, tradition says, Paul wasn't, you know, you don't see fear or anxiety in the, in the life of Paul, in his face. 
In fact, he was even so excited to die. And you would wonder why. And, 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 and that's not just true for Paul, but it was true to all the Christians who were being beheaded during that time. Now, one, one very famous story was that of Polycarp. Polycarp, St. Polycarp, the disciple of John. Just three, three generations from Jesus. He was burned at stake. And yet, Polycarp was singing. He was even praying for those soldiers, you know, who were burning them. And, and, and this caused, you know, a lot of Romans to really wonder and, and you know, amaze. What is these Christians? We can't stop them. We can't make them negative. Even we kill them, we torture them. Why is it so? And, and the answer to that is that because these Christians, when they die, they knew they, they get something better than this life. Amen. <laughs> Amen? Notice what Paul says. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, this is our theme verse, straining forward to what is ahead. What is ahead? What's there? Why is it that problems... Not even death could, could make this Paul so negative about life. Well, Paul says, because I press on toward the goal to what? To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, that's the secret of Paul. He was always positive. Why? Because whatever the devil would do, it will not stop him from claiming what God has promised. That price. 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. He's even predicting his death here when he was writing to young Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And you might think when Paul said this, you know, he's sad, you know. Like, like, you know, negative about life. No. I would think of Paul saying, I have fought a good fight. You know? I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I know that he's so excited to say these things. You know why? Notice the next verse. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You see? There's excitement there. He's full of optimism. Even when he was about to die, death could not make him a negative person because of God's legacy for him. Friends, his legacy is your legacy and my legacy. When you are fighting a good fight, when you are finishing the race and when you are keeping the faith in Christ, you will always be excited to get the prize. Amen? Amen? So that's the first thing. We have to be positive in our convictions. Our belief system is so important. So brethren, make sure you guard your mind. Make sure that only what is pure, noble, excellent, trustworthy... Fill this mind. You know why? Because this is where the devil starts to plant the seed of negativity. 
you know, all sorts of discouragement. See? If if Satan is is able to penetrate our minds, then he's already winning the battle. That's why the Bible says, guard your minds. See? Get your mind right. When you say being positive with conviction, let your beliefs in the Bible guard what we believe. Guard the things what goes inside. Alright? So, that's the first thing. Paul was so optimistic in facing life's challenges because of his convictions. He know who, who loves him and he knows what he is going to expect after this life. Second, we also find in Paul, he's so positive in his conversations. Okay? He's so positive. Okay? Why? Remember, we, we, we had this verse last night, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? We mentioned this in, in our marriage uh, seminar last night, okay? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, okay? So when, when our heart, when our convictions, all right, what we think and what we feel is grounded in the Bible, grounded in theology of the Bible, all right? You know, it, it's all, it always finds itself exiting where? In what we say. Okay? So, how you walk will always affect your talk. <laughs> okay? How we walk our faith affects our talk. Okay? Christians who really believe in the Bible, okay, you will know them in their conversation. So we have to be careful in how we talk, how we bring encouragement. And even myself, I have to tell myself often, Sharon reminds, he has to remind me often that what I say affects others. What I say can bring blessing or can bring curses to people. You see, our tongue is so powerful. We have to be careful. Now, notice this. Proverbs 10.21 says, The words of the godly encourages many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. Words bring what? Encouragement. In some other translation, it says, Words bring blessing to many. And our being positive should, should also be seen in what we say, right? Now, let's go to another portion of Paul's life. Okay? In Acts 27, Paul was traveling with some 200 men, right? And they were caught in, in a storm, you know? And so they were just floating and floating for two weeks. They were hungry, and this is what happened. Men, now I urge you to keep up your courage. Take note, Paul here is a prisoner, <laughs> right? And probably those men there, some of them were soldiers. Keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, you're a commander, you know, you, you have your soldiers there. And here's one of the prisoners telling you, keep, your, keep up your courage. And he's not even a fisherman, <laughs> 
Probably one of us will, hey, hey, man, you know, are you even a sailor? Right? Okay? Keep up your courage, man, you know? Not one of us will be lost. Right? So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God, you see? That it will happen just as He told me. And I skipped some verses there. An angel came to him and told him that, that, you know, Paul, no one will die in this in this voyage. Yes, the ship, it will, it, it will drown, it will be destroyed, but not you. And so, God is telling him, tell people about this. Alright? They need this. Okay? Verse 3, Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat for the last 14 days. Take note. Two weeks. He said, You have been in the constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. You see? Again, Paul's encouragement wasn't just being positive. We just say things to, you know, to lift people. You know, you know, it's okay, it's okay. Well, it's not okay. We've been here for two weeks. No food. <laughs> See? But Paul's positive words were not just drawn from the air. They were based from his faith in God. Amen? He knew what he was saying. He was not just telling them simply to encourage them, but then it's just giving them full sense of hope. No. When we give hope to people, friends, it's not baseless. It's founded in what we believe. Amen? And that was what Paul was saying to this man. After he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God. You see? He's so vocal about his faith. In front of them all, then he broke it and began to eat. And you know what happened? This is what the Bible said. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. You see? He managed to help them. Friends, two weeks they were on rough seas. You know what they need at the time? It's not food that will keep them alive. It's hope. See? You can survive two weeks without eating, but you cannot survive a day without hope. Hope is so important. And, and we are living in a world that is what? Being sucked by hope. Everywhere we go, it's like it's hopeless, it's hopeless. Friends, when we trust in the God who controls the seas, no storm so rough can remove your hope if you believe in this God. Amen? And that's why Paul says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be what? An encouragement to those who hear them. Amen? That's why as Christians, if we have to be positive, we have to be very careful. We have to tame our tongue. You know why? Because the words we say can make or break the souls of people. See? We have to choose to say theology. Not pop culture. We have to say words. Words that really comes from God's word. 
Just like what Paul says, he was he, in his conversation, it was filled with what? With his faith, with his God. Okay? I don't think, I don't think Paul was doing evangelism there intentionally. I would think that it was natural. It was natural. Circumstance was there, but it was natural for him to open his mouth and simply utter what? Words of comfort, words full of faith. He was very positive, and as a result, what happened to those men? They were saved. Not just physically, but when they reached the shore, they were different people. Why? This time, they knew the God who controls the sea. And it's important that we do that to others. There's so many people around us here today. Yes, they know about God, they know about Jesus, but they don't really know how capable our God is. And it has to start from the words we say. Amen? In the Living Bible Translation, I like how it is being written. Say only what is good and helpful to those you are talking to and what will give them a blessing. Amen? We have to make a deliberate choice. Lord, May the things that I utter today be a blessing, not a curse. Okay? And, and this has to be a deliberate choice. Why, brethren? Again, it's so easy for us. Even me, I, I, I struggle with this. It's so easy for me to, to, you know, to get discouraging words coming out from my mouth. Okay? And, and this, is, this is not good. That's why we have to guard our tongue. And not only that, we have to help guard the tongues of others as well, other Christians. I need people to tell me, don't say that. Okay? We need to do that to each other. We need to help each other to be positive in our conversation. All right, third. Are you still with me? Yes. Be positive in your crises. Be positive in your crises. In other words, how you, how you handle your situation, how you handle a problem, how you handle a, 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 a concern, you have to handle it positively. All right? Here's a good example, 2 Corinthians. You know, in all Paul's letters, you will find his life there, you know? He, he's spreading tidbits of his what? <laughs> of his situations, how he handled these things. Notice this. He's telling the Corinthian church, been there, done that. <laughs> been in prison more frequently. That's one. Been flogged more severely. Been exposed to death again and again. Right? It's like I have a twin brother. His name is Death. That's Paul's life. You know, wherever I go, two things follow me, death and prison. That's his life. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Take note from his own people. Three times I was bitten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. And we know already one story from Acts 27. I spent the night and the day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. See? I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, 
dangers from my own fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles. That's his life, you know. And you say, is, are you living a happy life, Paul? It's like when Paul was writing this, and then the Corinthians were listening, some of them were probably saying, is he trying to encourage us or discourage us? And then one member of the wait, wait until the letter is done. All right? It's not yet the best part. Okay, what else? In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea. In other words, wherever I go, there's always danger. In danger from false believers. I have labored, toiled, and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and even mentioned I have been naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Notice the heart of this man. See? Everywhere he would go, there's danger, but he's not losing what? His concern. What is that? The church that God has commissioned him to plant. See? Indeed, Paul is my true hero. Okay? He's not so concerned about other things. It's, it's the work that Christ has given him, knowing that God loves him so much. Now, let's jump to chapter 12. You know, there are things there I skip. You have to read them. Okay? He said, you know, he, he was praying, you know, more than all this, this circumstance, you know, the one that I gave is that Paul says, Satan gave me this thorn in the flesh, you know. This thorn in the flesh, it's really keeping me. It's, it's really so inconvenient for me to do the ministry with this. And we do not know what it is. So many, so many, kanang mga, say term, Theories about he he had uh, epilepsy or maybe a stomach problem. We do not know, but what we know is that this is a thorn in the flesh. In other words, it's making him so inconvenient in his ministry in his life, and and he prayed to the Lord, Lord, you know, you know my heart, Lord, you know my work, you know my mission. Remove this, Lord, and you know the answer of the Lord. No. But my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's the answer of the Lord. And if you are not, if you are not that close, if you are not so in love with the Lord, chances are, mangluud ka. And by the way, what's luud in, in English? Okay? You always halted. So, okay. Or you will be discouraged, right? Or you will be distraught. You know? What happened? Lord, I've been serving you. I did all these things for you. And Lord, you don't answer me. You don't, you don't give me this sim very simple request, Lord. And you know what God says? It's okay, Paul. You will still survive. My grace is enough for your daily needs. And you know what Paul says? Look at verse 9. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. See? There's the positivity. Yeah. Boasting. See? 
all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. You see? There you have it. There's the secret of Paul. The grace of God is enough. In other words, Paul realized that in this life, comfort is not the will of God for the Christian. It's not comfort. Right? When we experience comfort today, take it as a blessing, as a bonus. But you have to think, majority of believers around the world may not have the comfort that you have today, that I have today. So don't ever think, all right, that that's already, you know, the Christian life. Look at St. Paul. He boasted in all his weaknesses. Why? Because he knew, he knew that in, in, in allowing these problems to come, in allowing this circumstance to come, all the more the power of God will be manifested in his life. You see? All the more grace will shine. And sometimes, friends, we choose to be comfortable over grace. <laughs> Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Paul was positive in his crises. Why? Because he knew the grace of God was enough to sustain him. Amen? So we will survive okay, according to God's plan. You know, when, when we woke up this morning, we thank God, you know, the sun this morning was so beautiful. I don't know if, if you've noticed that. The sunrise was so beautiful and praise God we are alive because God's grace tells me Pastor Maki, you still have a mission to do. You will survive. Amen? And he's telling you the same thing. You will survive because God has a purpose for you to live. Amen? And be positive about that life he has given. Okay? That is why Paul says, okay, verse 10, For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. See? I delight. So positive. Friends, we have to have this spirit of Paul. Amen? And by the way, this is the good news. You have that spirit. I have that spirit. Because this spirit of Paul is the same Holy Spirit in every born-again believer. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came. He was our seal. You have that spirit. The problem, our mind. You see? Even if we have the Holy Spirit, but our choices is important. Because I, I still have the liberty of choosing. Whether I allow the Holy Spirit to dictate or I allow myself to dictate how I live. That's why, get your mind right. Be positive. All right, number four. And last. All right? Christians, this is important. We, we have to be positive in our convictions, in our conversations, in how we deal with our crises in life. But this is so important. Be positive in your countenance. Okay, what is countenance? Your aura, your face. All right? Diba? 
You believe in a loving God, you believe in a powerful God, and your face is like a demon. No, that's, that's not right. See? You go to church, you have Bible study, and then you go around and people are afraid to approach you because of your countenance. So mean. Alright? Remember, maybe one of your teachers in grade 6, he goes to the same church and then you're afraid of her. It's like a lion. See? I don't think there's a good match there. Friends, what is inside must flow not just to our mouth but to our face. Alright? And so the question is, we don't have a picture of Paul, Pastor Mackey. How, how can you say that he was positive in his countenance? We don't have a picture of Paul. Maybe Paul was a good writer, but his face was so mean. Again, just read the letters. You don't have to see the graphic face of the man. His words is enough to paint a picture of his face. That wherever this man would go, people would simply love him. You know, in fact, if you remember when he left Ephesus, people were crying. People were crying and, you know, we could not see you, Paul. In other words, there's something about the countenance of this man that people all around would simply love him, attracted to him. Friends, that's what Christians are. We're like magnets. See? People are attracted to us even before we say something. They could see there's something about your face. You know, you're smiling, you're happy. All right, I want you to smile. See? Now Jesus can be seen in you. Sometimes it's Satan reflected in our face. Okay? Show Jesus through your smile. Okay. One example in Philippians. Okay? Where was this letter written? Prison. So if you're a man in prison, you know, you, you don't expect to write happy things, but you know the key words of Philippians? Joy, happiness, thanksgiving. He's a happy man. And when he was writing this, he was so happy. Notice this. I thank my God every time I remember you. Imagine Paul writing this. Can you imagine him frowning and then say, I thank my God every time I remember you? I'm, I'm imagining Paul writing, you know, looking up and then smiling, imagining. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. See? So the countenance is... Is, is really springing out through his pen. You see? What happens next? Because of your partnership in the gospel from first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is the positivity of Paul. Alright? Being, being uh, you know, demonstrated in the way he was encouraging people. Telling them, you know, God is not yet done with you. You know what God started? There might, there might be some, some, you know, valleys along the way because Satan is, is trying to destroy your life. Paul is saying, you know what, cheer up, brethren, in Philippi. God is not yet finished with you. And so he says in verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Friends, that's the countenance of Paul. Very relational person. 
not antisocial. You know, when he talks, he, he always feels it with, you know, from the heart. And, and it, it is being shown in the letters he's writing. Now jump to the last chapter. Okay? And he says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ. Such positivity. My God. You see? It's like saying, don't worry Christians in Philippi. You know, you're going through some poverty right now. But my God will meet all your needs. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, verse 21. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. Again, you see here the countenance of Paul trying to cheer up people, greeting them. Oi, kumusta ni si so-and-so? How's, how's the house of, of dear brother? All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Friends, what do we see here? The countenance of Paul. Alright, let me wrap up this countenance thing. How will, how will our knowledge of God affect our faith? This is the theology. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3.18 Here's the point. Look at this. And we all, Paul says, all who with unveiled faces. Alright? Unveiled faces. What's, what's, what does that mean? Okay? He's talking here. The reference here is, remember Moses after Moses spoke with God in Mount Sinai? When, when he came down, he was simply radiating what? You know, the aura, the, the glory of God. That's why he has to wear a veil. But now, Paul is saying, it's something like that, friends, Christians. Every time we read the Bible, we pray, every time we have intimate moments with God, God's glory is reflected in us, but that face should not be veiled. It must be shown. It must be radiated to people. So he says, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. What happens? We are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You know what Paul is saying? As we contemplate on the Lord's glory, as we meditate, as we reflect, as we engage in an intimate relationship with God, you know what happens? That aura, that glory of God, that countenance of God is what? Being reflected in you. And as you grow deeper and deeper in our walk with Jesus, the Bible says we are being transformed so that people would naturally see Jesus in us. You see? You know people like that. Again, going back, it, it reminds me on my elementary days. There are teachers, you know, who claim that, you know, they, they, they pray, but then I only see Satan in them. But there's one, this particular teacher, I remember this geometry teacher, I don't know if she's still alive, She's always full of Jesus. Even teaching geometry, he teaches about Jesus. And I and we can all sense the love of Jesus in her. See? What is that? Okay? I don't even know if, if she was born again. But what I know is that her life, her countenance really reflects Jesus. So that even up to now, I can remember her face. Why? Because the 
maybe the relationship with Jesus was so strong that it was simply radiating. Friends, you cannot stop that. Moses has to wear the veil, right? But Paul says, we have unveiled faces. In the Living Translation, this is what Paul says, we Christians have no veil over our faces. In other words, what you see is what you get. Okay? What you see is what you get. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. I love this translation. And as the Spirit of the Lord's work within us, we become more and more like Christ. Isn't that wonderful, friends? Our positivity is radiated and people are simply what? People are simply affected. So that when we are near people, you know, our faith in God will simply be reflected on them. That they could not stop trusting Jesus that we believe. Amen? That's what we need today. We need to spread that positive spirit that comes from the Lord. And so in conclusion, brethren, here's the conclusion. Why? Why is Paul such a positive person? What's the secret? And here's the secret, and we are going to sing this later on. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. That is why I'm suffering as I am. And you know how he suffered. He suffered positively. Even he boasted on it. Why? Because, here's the answer, I know whom I believe. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Friends, if you know the God that you believe, and you have a wonderful relationship with Him, I tell you, that will keep you positive in all circumstances of life. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your great love towards us. You demonstrated that love by sending us Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, rose from the grave to give us everlasting life. Lord, we want to embrace that love again and allow that love, Lord, to transform us. Oh, Jesus, we know who you are. Thank you for your love for us. May that love grow so deep, it will transform us to become positive people, positive, and we spread that positivity all around us. And Lord, we choose to spread positivity, not negativism. We choose to do that because that brings you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.